Hello, High Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Isaiah, and we are now in chapter six, where we are going to look at a kind of a flashback to why Isaiah uh, is giving all these prophecies and where this all comes from. So we are in Isaiah chapter six, uh, verses one through 13, where we read this. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, Listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland until the Lord has sent everyone away and the entire land lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What we've uh, read so far in this book is a kind of a, a summary almost of all these visions that Isaiah received. And now we flash back to see how we got here. And so in verse one of this chapter, we see that King Uzziah dies. And immediately there's this contrast with the king on Judah's throne and the real king behind the scenes, the, the Lord of heaven, who sits high in his throne, surrounded by the, the seraphim who cannot even or, or choose not even to look at God's face with their six wings, two of their wings cover their eyes. So as they're you know hiding their faces from God, how can Isaiah, a mere mortal, you know, how can he be in God's presence? What can he do? You know, he, he recognizes God's presence makes him recognize yeah, I can't be here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a sinful person. I, my, my lips are unclean and this could, you know, uh, mean foul language, maybe speaking badly of other people who are created in the image of God. And, and that would be uh, being unclean lips. But the angel, the seraph goes to the altar and takes a coal and, and touches it to Isaiah's lips. And this is uh, a cleansing and expiation to use kind of a, a technical uh, theological term. But what I think about in this encounter is that the presence of God, and one of the ways we can, I think, assign that we can judge by whether or not we've really encountered God in our lives is that the presence of God here for Isaiah 
mirrors what or or uh, emblem uh, uh, is an emblem of what we experience when we experience the presence of God. That there is this new and deeper awareness of our own sin. God's presence, the goodness of God, makes Isaiah that much more cognizant of the ways he has fallen uh, short of that. And God, through this angel and the altar, provides this means of cleansing Isaiah from this sin so that he can be able to respond to this calling that's about to happen. And so God says, basically, whom shall I send? And Isaiah, very much unlike, say, the prophet Jeremiah or unlike Moses, right? Oh, Moses, like, is here am I, send Aaron, right? Uh, here, uh, Isaiah says, here am I, send me, um, and, you know, not to get too nerdy, but this reminds me of uh, Frodo in the Council of Rivendell in Lord of the Rings, where like he's amongst all these in incredible beings, these men of Numenor and, and, and these, uh, these elves and, and these powerful creatures, and they're debating about who they are going to send. And Frodo kind of sheepishly steps forward, says, I'll go. And I, I, it makes me wonder if Tolkien, you know, being a, a devout Catholic, if he had maybe this uh, scene in mind. Uh, but what a terrible, terrible calling it is. Isaiah is being given a, a message that he knows will in the end result in judgment. He's giving people kind of a last chance, but God is already telling him that, you know, we're going to give them the truth, but they're not going to respond. It. In fact, it's just going to end up hardening their hearts. And of course, this kind of uh, looks forward to the calling that, that Jesus accepts. There's a, a lot of uh, messianic connections here as well. But all is not lost. It ends with this image of hope that even when you cut down an oak or a terebinth tree, oftentimes there's a sprout that comes out of it. And we've already heard this talk about this branch that comes from the stump of Jesse. And this kind of connecting image here is that there will be this holy seed. Like after all this destruction, there will be this holy seed that comes out of this. And, and this is fill, uh, fitting this pattern where Isaiah, in these moments of judgment, keeps laying these uh, little bits, these little kind of breadcrumbs pointing to a future fulfillment of these promises that is going to be even deeper than anything is ex that's experienced in his lifetime. And I think that's what he's doing when he's talking about uh, this holy seed. And um, like I said, by the way, this is uh, the same passage that Jesus quotes in Mark 4 when he explains why he's teaching in parables. And I know that's a passage that often confuses people because it seems like, you know, why, why is he teaching in parables? It seems that the parables are there to make it sure, make sure that people don't understand. But I think those par that what Jesus says in Mark 4 is really in this context. God wishes that they would turn and change their path, but, but knowing that they won't, God still sends his messenger, in this case, Isaiah, and in the future, uh, Jesus. Can you imagine like saying yes to a calling where you know that you are going to be unsuccessful in everything you do, at least measured by the world's standards? You're going to be unsuccessful, but you know, we've we've often mentioned that that real success in God's eyes is not success the way we look at it, but faithfulness. Faithfulness is the real measure of success. So, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage. Well, picking up on that section, you were, you were talking a lot about the uh, um, yes. If this is verse nine, yes, go and say to the people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes, and. I remember, you know, you talk about the fact that Jesus wound up quoting that in Mark. And uh, and that was a passage that really threw me off because it sounds like God doesn't want them to understand. You know, the, the way I had read it, especially, I actually think this is one of those places where the NLT the version we read here is does an, a better job. There's sort of this sardonic way that God is saying this, like, ah, you know, sort of a, oh, goodness gracious. I know this isn't going to work. 
And, and in fact, as much as I try, you're going to continue to just harden yourself against. And so you say, listen carefully, but don't understand, you know, watch closely, but learn nothing, you know, but you can hear God sort of like, ah, I just, I wish you would really listen. I am trying to help you, but, but you refuse. And you can, you, you can hear it that way. And that, in fact, he, as he's saying, harden the hearts of these people. He's not saying, hey, that's a good thing. Let's harden their hearts. Kind of like mm -hmm. what we'd read about with um, uh, Pharaoh back in, uh, in Exodus. No, th this is the sense of as you tell these, these truths to people, it's only just their response is going to be just, you know, get, like develop a callous against it. They're just going to get more and more and more callous to the truth. And so... There's this lament that God is saying. And, and I, I do think that there is this, you know, that is a, a great reminder for us. You'd said, that, gosh, can you imagine taking on a mission where you know you're going to be unsuccessful, at least in the world's eyes, uh, that, that it would fail? And, and I think that as Christians, we want to be people who are willing to say, I, I will speak the truth and I'm going to do everything I can to make it as winsome as possible, as intelligible as possible. I'm going to do what I can and yet, I realize that there are going to be a lot of people, it's not that they don't understand, it's that they don't want to understand. Because what Jesus ultimately says is really offensive. He's saying that you need a savior because you're so sinful, that you, you are stuck and you can't get out on your own. And there's going to be a lot of people who they do not want to hear that. And so there's this way that we end up hardening ourselves against, against the truth. <clears throat> and yet the church has got to be faithful to share it anyway. There is this grief and sadness, and yet, and you know, this actually means a lot to me. The, the verse thirteen, I love that uh, that uh, little the hint of promise at the end. Uh, he says, "As a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it's cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed." Uh, I was walking last Monday. There's a place where a few years ago, this uh, the homeowners cut down a few of the trees, and they left some stumps. And I was noticing last week that one of them has this shoot. It's like a flat stump, like you'd expect, and has one shoot growing out of it. And and that and I, as I looked at that, I just thought, oh my goodness, this is exactly like you know the, these prophecies because we're going to see this whole thing, right? This this branch, uh, uh, you know, that's going to emerge from this stump, right? And the branch, of course, is Jesus. That even out of this, that God is not going to you know just destroy it all. God has actually laid this foundation, this incredible root system, and now Jesus is going to be the one who now brings it to, to fruitfulness. Uh, and so, <clears throat> anyway, I just this image I think this week actually means more to me even than it, than it had before. Um, the the, uh, the final thing maybe I'll say I this this passage I think is so good about the uh, uh, verse five. It's it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. And Isaiah is having this, like, the incredible privilege of a vision of God. And you think, you'd be like, wow, I must be amazing if God's choosing me for this. Uh, or, wow, I'm so lucky. I feel fantastic. Uh, but in fact, as he sees God, right, this searing light suddenly can make all the, 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 the dirtiness in him more apparent than ever. And, and so here's the point I want to make. And I've said this before in different forms. You want to know what it feels like to be holy? It feels like being unholy. In fact, the closer we come to God, the more we realize how far we are. The more that we come to, to share God's perspective, the more we, we hate 
the amount of sin that still remains in us, the more we can see it, uh, what we could not see before. But you know what it feels like to be unholy? It feels really righteous, right? It's self-righteous. And so so many of these, the people who are, who are the least close to God actually feel the most self-confident. The closer I come to God, the more I realize, wow, he is really great. And I really am not. And in fact, the fact that God chooses me, sends me like Isaiah, what a crazy privilege. What an undeserved grace that God would be willing to use someone like me. And, and there's just not the, a sense of, of self-flagellation in that, but a sense of appreciation. God's grace is amazing. And it's because of that I can go and preach amazing grace to other people, right? Because I don't think I deserve it. And I know they don't deserve it either. But you know what I'm preaching? I'm not preaching a self-improvement program. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching God's love, God's way that he made for people who couldn't have gotten there on our own, right? That's what the gospel is. And, and I, I just see that in here, that, that sense of, of Isaiah's awareness of his unworthiness. And then it's in that moment that God chooses to send him. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering if you would pray for us that, that we might experience the same kind of sense of calling from God and a willingness to say yes. Yeah, let's pray together. God, you are the one who is this bright light of the world. You are the one who allows us to see you and to see reality. And you are the one who allows us to see ourselves. And we see in us the the the, the, the outline of your image. God, we see in us the ways that we have fallen short, all of the, the ways that we have smudged that image. And God made it hard to see. God, we thank you that we have good news to share because we have heard good news from you. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. I hope you can join us tomorrow where we're going to tackle a passage that has a verse that is so controversial that two scholars recently wrote a book on just one verse, an entire hardcover book. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Go in peace.